Guess what, Disruption Nation, this week. All right, this is awesome. You got Bill Baldwin, Christy Buck. These are some major players. Jimmy Simeon killed it, and, um, and yours truly. And then Kimberly Stevens was moderating with me, and it was an amazing panel. We had a good time. The Q&A is phenomenal at the end, so here you go. Enjoy. Dang it, okay, not, not everybody knows who I am. All right, my name's Taylor Wade Offer. I'm the CEO of Houston Real Producers. I have a podcast called Disruption Nation. Uh, it's major, mostly real estate. We drop a show every uh, Tuesday at two o'clock, uh, and you know, we, have, we have a good time. So uh, we're building community. They all kind of feed each other, and we host Masterclass Houston's like this. We got them every month you know, through, through November. I might be doing one in the early December this year before the holidays, but um, all right. So last thing, and then I'm going to introduce the panelists, and then um, we're going to be off to the races. So I need you to pull your cell phones out. Please pull them out. I'm about to tell you to put them away in a second, but go to Facebook, please, because these guys worked hard, got here, and uh, thank you so much for, uh, for, for doing this. We're going to give back to the real estate community. So go to Facebook, type in uh, Houston Real Producers. You're going to see the live feed. <laughs> yeah, you see that, apparently. And uh, just hit share. Just hit share. You know, these guys came to give a lot, right? They came to give a whole lot. You're going to learn a lot. And I'm excited, like I said, a second to learn from them with you. But um, do y are you all seeing it on there? Okay. Yeah. Hit the share. Let's get it out. Get the word out. And uh, hopefully, if you're watching on social, we will see you here in person next month. All right. <laughs> I, I hear myself. Perfect. All right. We're, 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 it's working. All right. Introductions coming. I'm going to go left to right. Left to right. All right. Bill Baldwin. These guys are power players. I'm very excited. So broker, owner, Boulevard Realty, Heights, Mr. Heights, Houston. I think that was the message I sent you this morning, <laughs> just out of nowhere. But uh, 25 years in real estate, 50 this is a big number, 53,848,000 in sales last year. Give me a hand for that. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Firm sales, $270 million last year. Huge, uh, four years, RIS director of uh, HAR. Number of boards, so many, so many. And, uh, and I apologize, I'm probably not doing them justice with this introduction because the list is long, right, of all the, all the boards, and, uh, but I'll read this one. Uh, number of boards and commissions, including eight years on the City Houston Planning Commission. All right, major player in the game, wealth of knowledge, you're about to hear it. Jimmy Simeon, been on the cover of Houston Real Producers, by the way. So is Jimmy Simeon, give him a hand, give him a hand. Jimmy Simeon, my shaved head friend, appreciate you. Okay, not the only one up here. That's right, right, shi super shiny. All right, uh, 
We got, uh, he got into business 20 years ago after the fall of Enron. I was like, all right, there's a story. Okay. You can ask him in Q&A if you want to. Uh, started Simeon Properties in 2009, and uh, he's made Houston Business Journal uh, top 25 team for five years in a row now. So congratulations. Where is your team, by the way? I thought y'all were, y'all moved on me. You were over here now at the front and center. Fantastic. Give it up for him. Give it up for him. We're going to give it up for everybody in a second. All right. <laughs> Kimberly Stevens, Remax Five Star. Hold on. I'm doing you last. Wait a second. Where's Christy on here? Christy, okay. Uh, she's been in business for 23 years. 23 years. Uh, we've got a team that produced $168 million in sales last year, hired a business coach in 2012. Pay attention to this. This is worth writing down. Workman's success, which is a game changer in her business. That's an understatement. I, I interviewed with them uh, last week, and they're like, we've not done this for too many non-real estate office, uh, you know, businesses, but I'm, I'm excited uh, for the next uh, interview, I guess, call, see how the process goes. But And she didn't tell me this wasn't on here, but seven-figure, what's it called, seven-figure ride-along? Yeah, and that's, I think, starting on Monday. Y'all should ask her about that during Q&A. I've been to it. It's phenomenal, and I think I'm going to go again next week. You, you as well? Awesome. So, Thank you for being here. Give it up for Christy. <laughs> Last but not least, um, Kimberly Stevens, broker owner, Remax Five Star. Love your agents. They're sitting right here. Twelve years in the biz. Um, owner of the brokers for five years. Is that the deal? Okay. Five years. Eighty-five agents. Slot. Um, brokers is ranked. Net. Was this nations by? Yes. There you go. Hope y'all can hear that. Can't. I can't. Can't read. All right, third consecutive year, and uh, she's also proud sponsor of Disruption Nation podcast I was talking about a second ago. All right, and with that, I'm going to stop talking and pass it off. Kimberly's going to be moderating. I will be right here with you. But, um, guys, give it up for, you know, this superstar panel right here. So thank you all so much for being here. Hey, you guys. Thank you for being here. Um, I am incredibly excited to... Uh, help co-moderate this with some of the best of the best up here. And I just want to take a moment and say, you know, it's kind of awkward to introduce yourself. So I want to say one more thing about Taylor, because what he does is absolutely amazing. He doesn't just, you know, be the CEO of a wonderful top producing magazine and bring people together in classes like this. You can see the magazine. It says, connecting, elevating, and inspiring. And these things are amazing. The events that he hosts are amazing. He's bringing top producers together so they can network. And in this industry, that is an amazing thing to accomplish. So round of applause to you again for everything you do for our Houston agents. All right, so we had our introductions, and I'm going to get started with our, with our questions. And you guys, feel free. If you have a question, raise your hand. But we are going to have a Q&A at the end. So if you have something, write it down, and feel free. They'd be happy to answer. First of all, in this market, it's been crazy. If you guys have been in the industry for more than a day, you know it's a crazy market that we're facing. And one of our first questions is, how are you guys, first of all, keeping buyers from having burnout? And how are you coaching your agents to also have that conversation with them? Christy? Um, 
so the did you ask buyers? Taylor distracted me. <laughs> how, how, how are you keeping your buyers from experiencing the burnout from today's market with, you know, the crazy, insane offers, uh, offer after offer after offer, and how are you counseling your agents to also coach their clients to, you know, not experience this burnout? So it's tough, as we all know. However, we are um, just always trying to think of something that the others aren't doing instead of just writing, and I, I know there's, you know, multiple opinions about the love letters, but instead of just writing a love letter, sending a video of the family, having a loan officer send a video of his self stating how far along they are in the process. Everybody that's in, um, in the particular transaction from loan officer to buyer, um, and then uh, all of them reach out to the listing agent and send a video. Um, video is just, I, I travel a lot and speak a lot with Workman Success, and what we're hearing all the time is video is the thing now. So uh, it's a, a, even a first contact buyer, a, a lead, a first time buyer lead, send a video. So I think that everybody reaching out to the listing agent, as well as we're also sending when people are offering 40,000 over, 20,000 over, send proof of funds that they have the 20% down and we also send proof of funds. So we make it so, we're, we're preparing the offer so well that there's really no question for the listing agent if what we're offering is really going to be able to, to follow all the way through to the finish line. Um, and the agents, it's, it's tough on the agents, but when you get to the next question, I'll, I'll, I think it'll help um, with what we're doing as far as burnout with the agents. So I don't wanna jump ahead. What I would say on top of that is you've got to manage the client's expectations in advance, right? They're excited. They got their pre-approval there. They're ready to go. Hey, guys, we might be writing five offers, seven offers, ten offers. The other thing I would say about lenders is, you know, we're in the Clear Lake area. We sell Clear Lake, Pearland, League City. If we get a letter from certain lenders and certain agents, I know it's going to closing, right? So it's getting your client to understand that that pre-approval they got from online, from some random, you know, and I don't want to say Quicken, but someone else may not carry the weight that it needs to carry when there's a local lender that we all may know in the area that, you know, definitely close. So if we can help them uh, kind of get all their tools lined up before we go out and manage their expectations, that would be my suggestion. I agree with all my fellow realtors, and I don't. Some people are buying, and look, they're just not going to be able to buy. Let's set reasonable expectations. Look, what we don't want to do, buy that damn Enron stock that he used to work for over here. And there are plenty of people out there overpaying and buying the wrong house and going to have buyer's remorse. Set a reasonable expectation. I assure you, in my market in the Heights, these houses that they're paying for today, we could never resell those houses for that price point in a balanced market, and they are going to be screwed. And you just need to be sure that you're telling them the truth over here. 
the letters could work, the videos can work, but look, you're going to lose out on some offers. Just be prepared to lose out on some offers. And maybe the timing is not right for all of you. If you got plenty of money to burn and throw away, then maybe you want to get into this market, but maybe you don't. And we need to represent all factions of those groups. So, look, I have those people that are sitting in the Airbnb that need a house right this second. But my job is also to make sure they understand reality. You will be overpaying. I had a client earlier today. We need a lot. And they want to pay 40% more than I think it's worth today. When I just sold the one next door for it for $350,000 less than that. No, that house is not worth that. You can buy it if you want to, because I don't get to dictate what you buy. But, but let's be realistic in the marketplace. It's not balanced this moment. It will be balanced again. <laughs> this is not a forever situation. And maybe you don't want to get in that scenario. I had an open house the other day, and we got 17 offers the first day and 27 the next day. And I had eight of those buyers come back to me and say, I want to ditch my agent, and I want to go to work with you. Look, I'm in the real relationship game just like you are their agent didn't do anything <laughs> guys when there's 40 offers 39 of them are not going to win and they're still going to be into the marketplace and so i mean i think realistic expectation is the most important thing try what you can but also understand look i'm not going to present your video i ain't giving your damn letters to my clients i don't care how many damn <laughs> things you send me the more you send me the more desperate you look and i'm not going to want to go down that path with you because you're gonna be a pain in my ass the whole damn time <laughs> So let's don't go there. <laughs> Present your best offer first. Learn from your experiences and understand, look, you're not all going to get it. That's how they do it in the Heights. So, you know, hey. <laughs> and we're off to the races. Hey, but, but, but you know what? I get it. I get it. So. All right. Thank you. Thank you for that. So just a, just a quick, recap, uh, quick recap on that question. Um, you know, Videos aren't for everybody, but I will say that they do make an they do make an impact. You know, sellers are selling on emotion, buyers buy on emotion, and it is our job to counsel them on you know today today's market, right? And if it's not the right time for them, it's not the right time for them, and we should set that expectation. We should set the expectations, like both of them said from the beginning, because frustrations arise when the right expectations are not met. But if you are getting into video, the one of things the, the one thing I want to say is that. Just start, you know. You're not going to start and be a professional right away. The more you do it, the more you're going to get really good at it. But you have to, but you have to start, and you'll eventually get comfortable at it. Um, so thank you guys. That was all really great. Getting into our next one, and I know that we were just talking about this one, but this market is partially like so crazy because of the extremely low inventory. So what are you guys doing and how are you counseling your agents to create, be creative and create inventory in this market? This is a great time to sell. If you can sell out your Enron stock at 100, it's going to be worth zero soon. <laughs> Sad reason. 
this is a perfect time for some people to sell. Some people are going to want to sell and cash out and go to Brenham or wherever it is that they're going to Zoom from next week. I, I don't know. It is a great market for some people. It's not a great market for everyone. So, I mean, just take advantage of the situation. But, look, this is about talk, you guys. The, I can tell you one. Talk about real estate everywhere you go. Your hairdresser, the cashier at Kroger, everyone on earth wants to talk about real estate. And the more you talk about the real estate, the more connections you're going to have, the more you're going to be able to talk about the state of the market, the more someone's going to say, hell yeah, I'm going to cash out now. This is a great time for someone to sell, and you just need to keep putting yourself out there. Well, and that was what I was going to say is it's really about relationships. So when you grow up, I grew up in Clear Lake. Amanda, where are you? Amanda, where's Amanda at? So Amanda and I went to high school. We graduated a long, long time ago, and she worked for Bill. But really, it's about relationships. So I've been in Clear Lake for over 30 years, and it's really about the people, and they know where to find me. I don't have to advertise. They know where to find me. One day I was in church. They came up to me in the middle of service. Can I talk to you? And I'm like, we're in church. <laughs> and so it is about the relationships because they will find you, and, and I have a most most of our team is sitting right here in this middle table, and they'll tell you be out somewhere, and if they're just wearing a shirt or wearing a hat, people will come up to them. They know. Uh, so I don't think you can – I don't know if this really answers the how do you create inventory as much as it's making sure that everyone knows that you're there and you're for them. So, so um, one – thing that our, we are encouraging our agents to do is take your whatever the needs are of your buyer going back two years plus and putting solds in so whoever so if you're looking for a four four bedroom three and a half bath in Highland Glen with a then we go back 600 days plus look for houses that sold under that search criteria, call the agent that sold it to them and ask if her client, if, if she would reach out and see if they would be willing to sell, if it was for the right price, if they've considered. We've had more luck doing that with people saying, well, we were probably going to wait, but we would consider now. Um, so going back and really looking for exactly what you're looking for in solds from, we just start, we're starting from two years back, um, on solds. And then the other thing that we've done is pull all of our own clients that sold from 19 all the way back to 14. If we represented them as a buyer and we're calling them again, re looking through the tax roll, looking through everything, disappointing. Some of them, you see, they already sold. It wasn't with you. And, you you know, we're looking at, like, all of those solds, calling all of them, regardless if we have something, and especially when we see that they bought it for 260 280 300 and you can't even buy anything in that price range anymore. And I know everybody's pretty aware of the market, but when we call people we sold to, three plus years ago and say, have you thought about selling? Because prices are at an all-time high. We may be able to even double your money. So just really, really becoming hunters instead of just 
for things to come on the market and be in one of many, many. The agent that we reach out, re, that we're reaching out to, that sold the home to the person, they're very appreciative that we're going through them and not just trying to reach out to their their past client. If we don't have any luck there, we'll even door and say, "Have you thought about selling? You have exactly what my client's looking for." can't get them all this money for their house the problem is you want to go pay 50,000 for the next so all that equity you just got out ate it up in the next but they go to the next neighborhood they go out use the mic please yeah. Christy pass them the mic yeah but yeah, some people some people don't want to pool anymore right. they yeah, need to sure. downsize they're already thinking about it they they're gonna they're thinking of making a move so and some are relocating out of the area we're retiring next year so you, yeah, you find out circumstances that we don't know what next year is going to bring, but we know right now you can make, you know, you can make great money on your home. So I absolutely agree. And I think that that is an, an amazing point that you made. I think you made several great points as well as all of you guys did, because it is one of the, you know, issues that sellers are facing, but you know, that's why they have a educated real estate agent to guide them to what's going to be a good financial decision for them, whether it's moving up, moving down, moving out of state or whatever meets their, their needs. I want to touch on a few things that you, you said though, because a couple of my absolutely love, it was truly creative to go back through your own inventory. But I love the fact that you touched on just going through the market itself on what meets your clients expectations and their experience as a true buyer's agent and going back to that agent. So that agent already has that familiar relationship. So they don't feel like they're being sold. Like it's some kind of gimmick because they trust that person. And as an agent that builds rapport with that other agent as well. And, and Bill, I, I love what you said because you're just like, just get it out there. Just talk about it. Not, a, not enough people know about it, right? Like the, the market is crazy. Cash in. You want to you know, you buy for exorbitant amounts or, you know, then that's on you. But if you want to sell and cash in on that buyer, like now is the time. And the more we get that information out there, the more people will kind of jump in. And that's where we guide them. Um, and I don't know if you guys noticed, but a couple of them also touched on relationships. Jimmy talked about relationships, 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 relationships. And that's going to segue right into our next topic because one of the things that we discussed was the importance of relationships, not just with your clients, but also with other agents. So our next, uh, our next conversation is just going to be like, how do you manage those relationships and the importance of that to your business whenever you're talking about clients and when you're talking about other agents? So I, about a year ago, hired um, one full-time person to become our past client a, um, admin. So all we do now, I mean, everybody takes a past client and puts them on a 15-year drip. Like, so, I, I mean, it, it's crazy how much money we put into paying for leads instead of really working our past clients to a very high level. So I hired Gina to come in and do nothing but go back from 2000, I think we're all the way back to 2014, take every single closing and she goes through an entire process. It takes 15 minutes for her to go see, do they still own the home? All the information about a past client, 
and now we're updating all their information and we're putting them on an action plan that's a high touch action plan for past clients because we're spending so much time and money waiting on the phone to ring for a brand new lead and we're not staying in high, 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 high touches with our relationships of people that always already know us, love us, and trust us, well, that is a huge mistake. So now we have one person, and the action plan is detailed. We're, if they're within a, I believe, seven-mile radius, they're getting two personal touches a year and then several other high-level touches a year. So really, and, and it's going to take 18 months for us to start seeing those past clients stay and hire and hire, that we are their contact. And of course, we try to do that with emails and, and different things, but we're making sure every single one of them are on Market Insight. That's a free tool, right? Keeping them aware of what's going on in their neighborhood along with personal touches, um, all kinds of things that we're doing with every single past client as far back as we go and have record of. We don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we're horrible at that, but it doesn't mean we're not horrible or we're great at relationships. I'll tell you, I just want to shake hands and kiss babies, to be honest with you, because where I live, I mean, I, they'll tell you wherever we go, people know me, them, we're together. So for me, it's relationships, relationships, relationships. Then we add in that people can find us online and we'll get to technology later and they see our reviews. So there's f over 500 reviews on HAR, over 330, 40, 50 on Zillow. Then we have Google. We're, we're getting more traction, A, from just being in the community. B, people are just Googling us and that's something else that we do and we do spend money on Google. But we get more calls coming in from people all over the country, right? Because they either go where? Zillow. We'll talk about that later. They don't know about HAR because they don't know if that's our local MLS. They're just searching. Because we're a transient city, people are coming from West Coast, East Coast. It's cheaper to live here the whole nine yards. So we should do a better job. Christy has great systems, by the way. I've done her seven-figure ride-along almost two years ago. Um, if you can put all those systems in place, they absolutely do work. In lieu of that, though, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a people person. And I just like to be out in the community, you know, because I grew up there. So I, I suspect Bill might be similar to that. I'm <laughs> if you're not consistently visiting with people that you've done business with, get out of the business now. <laughs> I mean, literally, and it, it's personal. If you're not sending them a hurricane preparation chart in just a second, if you didn't send them last week something how to fight their taxes, if you don't talk to them about making sure their insurance amount is now appropriate because the replacement value of their house has doubled since they bought the damn thing not too long ago. Very relevant information that you can provide on a regular basis. And you know what? They want this reminder. They want to hear these things. They don't need your restaurant list or who the dog walkers are in their neighborhood. I mean, if you want to send them that, that's great. But there is very pertinent information that they really do want to hear about on a regular basis. And I, I think staying in touch with them, we do do the list of, you know, here's your local coffee shops or here's your local nurseries to go buy plants in, in April. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, we, we send out about 7,000 of these emails. I get dozens of emails emails back on these sort of things every week when them and we get constant referrals from our clients for that sort of basis so I mean I think accumulation of these things are, are what you want to do but back to the other relationships it is 
realtor relationship. It is lender relationship. It is home warranty relationship. It is title company relationship. If you're not working those relationships equally, you also are not taking full advantage of what the career is all about. I don't need her video. What I need is some past experience with her in a room so I can talk and figure out that she's sane because not everyone in our industry is and I'd rather co-op with someone that I know than someone that I, is just an unknown out there. And often, look, I tell, my, I tell my clients, the highest offer may not be the best. If it's a proven track record of someone that I know that understands pier and beam houses and how termites work when it's hot and these, re I, look, odors and mold, there's mold in every damn house. There's mold right here at Brennan's. Let's get real about it. <laughs> Is that going to freak out your buyer? Is that going to cause them to want $40,000 off or something? Those decisions, that, this is what you're doing. You're the trained professional. You're giving your clients advice, and you're not giving them these kinds of advice. Train yourself and surround yourself with people who will help you do so. I want to add to that because I love the relationship aspect. I have a friend of mine. He's an agent. Well, I'm not going to call him out right now, but he uh, he told me like four years ago when I was launching this this company and what, what, what we're doing, he's like, Taylor is like, you know, he's like, I mean, I kind of get it, but I don't get it because you're putting a bunch of realtors in the room. And why would I want to go network with realtors? Like, they can't, you know, I can't get any yeah. business from them. I was just like, you're not getting it, man. Bigger picture, bigger picture. You know, the, you know what y'all can do across, you know, the city by, you know, having the, you know, knowing somebody on the other side is huge. And then also I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Nikki Johnson and Christy Scott, first event couple months ago they met okay you know right and then they did a webinar together two vendors and then they put something together and I'm like that was awesome and they, they, they met here so you know how can you collaborate because there's a, there's a lot of uh, opportunity that's right in front of you and um, you know, that, that's what this whole thing is about exactly look Christy sells the most in Pearland do we sell homes in Pearland too absolutely did she invite me to her seven-figure ride-along worried about me trying to take her market share in Pearland? No. And she still has the market share. So at the end of the day, uh, to your point, Taylor, to Bill's point, relationships, relationships, relationships. Um, go ahead. No, you, you want that mic bad. I, you're jonesing, baby. He's jonesing for that mic. Go ahead. I always look up who's the top-selling agent in a particular area and call them. And, and the same thing. Look, I get... 20 calls a day from realtors asking historic districts, special minimum lot size, build lines, flood areas. Look, you've got to have these relationships with realtors. Call me if you have a question about inside the loop or historic district or something. I'm going to call Christy if I'm going to go show in Pearland. I'm not really going to Pearland. But <laughs> find the expert in those areas and don't ever hesitate to reach out to other realtors and if you can't reach out to them there's someone else in that neighborhood that you can reach out to i, I love uh, and, how you are I, so passionate bill i told you guys that this would be entertaining i was corrected the most in brazoria county sorry christy sorry so but but the point is just hammering that home is the people sitting in this room yeah they could be your competition but at the end of the day if you're running your race it doesn't matter Right? Because the is the cream is going to be up here. All the other zillion of agents who sell two houses a year aren't going to matter to you anyways. Right? right. 
And to touch on and to touch on that, I mean, it is extremely important to have these relationships, like you guys have said over and over again. It's about relationships, maintaining those relationships with your clients, whether it's shaking hands and kissing babies, whether it's making sure you're at a high touch level, whether it's you know notes, pop buys, personal you know um, social events that you're doing, sending them out stuff, making sure that they see you as that point of value, making sure that you are in touch with those relationships outside of you know being a realtor, your your vendors, your strategic partners, because they matter. Not only are they clients too, and they have family and they have friends and they're looking for realtors to do business with, but they matter because like, you know, he was talking about before in a market where it's so insanely competitive, the agent on the other end, when you're going through multiple offers matters. Whenever somebody says, this is a good agent, they're going to get the job done. They're going to get it to close. This lender, they're amazing. They get the job done. They don't give out pre-approvals unless it's going to closing. Those relationships matter, and that's where we should cultivate that. Great job, you guys. I love that you're keeping it entertaining, but we do have to move on. Um, it's another fun subject. Um, you know, again, along with being competitive, how many people love to work so hard, write so many offers, drive all over town with these gas prices just to hear that you're getting your commission cut? Mm. So our next question is going to be, how do you defend against that, not only for yourself, but what, are, what information and tidbits are you offering your agents to defend that value against commission cutting? So, why don't Bill, you, you go. I hey, y'all ready? I'm passionate about this topic, not... You must assume that someone is going for your business that will do it cheaper. I mean, I, I, we, we go there with every listing appointment. Someone will do it for $500. Someone will do it for 1%. Someone will do it for 2%. Someone will do it for 3 Charge whatever you feel your value is, but be able to defend your commission. If you can't negotiate your commission, you are a shit negotiator for your own client. And we tell our listing appointments that if, you, if I can't defend my commission, I will not be a very good negotiator for your sales price plus whatever. So, I mean, be, be prepared to go there. Don't ignore the situation. Confront it head on. But, yeah, it's going to be, look, there's commission compression. It's a competitive industry. Some of my agents, I mean, we, we take 3%, 6% or more, but we, we don't discount. We just don't. I cannot pay for the 22 staff members. I cannot provide the level of service. I will not be here two years from now to give you this information on your insurance and your appraisals. I, this is what it costs for me to be in business, and I can defend it. We will provide better service. We'll provide higher quality service. We will provide service after the sale. I, I tell my agents, you're earning your 3% much later after the sale. We don't find people houses. We help them live in homes and in neighborhoods and in our communities. And, and just like I say, be prepared to go there, defend it, but don't get disappointed. You're going to lose a deal to someone who does it cheaper. It's, you, you're going to. We all do, but I'm just telling you, there's a, there's a cheaper car, there's a cheaper dress, there's a cheaper cell phone plan out there. Find people who find value in your services and make sure that you're providing that value. Well, it's all about value proposition, right? So Marissa and I went on a listing appointment. We stuck to our 6%. We didn't get it, and we told them a higher price, and it sold for more than they listed for. They still didn't listen to us, right? 
we told them, but they picked the lady who had sold the house across the street. She probably did it for cheaper, et cetera, et cetera. And that was one of those where, like, really? Joe and I went on one. We're like, there's no way we didn't get this listing appointment. And the house is still sitting on the market a month later. And this market is sitting there a month later, and they listed for more. We said 6%. Now, do we flex? There are times we flex, clearly. I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, I, I'm not a big baller like Bill, but sometimes we got to flex. So, um, <laughs> but, but... <laughs> Yeah, but you're right. He is right. I mean, if you go do something for one point versus three points or four versus six, you got to do twice as much work. Think about that for a minute, right? Right? You, oh, 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 he got <laughs> But I want to be clear. I mean, all of us are going to get to do more. Look, do I have to pay for some staging? Do I clean out our garage? Do I pay for the final pleading? Do I have to buy that home warranty from time to time? Damn straight in 2022. We're paying. If you're going to get hung up on $500, there again, get out of the business. Be prepared to pay something. What we have to do is make our clients really, they want easy. They want it to be, they have money. And look, are we, and we're, we're charging for some things, but we're power washing more houses than we've ever power washed before. We're buying some flowers after the freeze. You're going to have to pay in our industry for this work. And if you cut your commission and have to pay and pay the broker and pay the IRS, and look, there's no money left over. They pay for better service. If you provide better service, be prepared to do more for your clients. Never, I... My God, I tell my agents, I'm going to beat you. If you give someone the phone number of someone, like a yard guy, coordinate the yard guy. Coordinate the grout redoing. Coordinate the roofer to, for that estimate. Do it for them. Do not give our clients a number and expect them to call someone to power wash. They'll never call them back. You must do this work for them, and that is that value proposition. Don't cut. Give more. That's a super simple way okay, to, hold on. Let me super turn way to separate yourself. Okay, hold on. Let me turn around here for a second. Right? You know, but customer service above and beyond. You know, not everybody's going to do that. You might have a lot of people that are going to easily go in, try to, you know, oh, I'll take a, a lower commission. Well, that, that okay, what, what are you really doing? When you're going, you know, the things that he's talking about, a lot of people aren't going to do that. So, right. huge, Let me say huge. one thing before we pass the mic to Christy, or Bill's going to take it from me. I know. I want to hear from Christy um, again. Is Christy still up here? Yeah. So, so part of value proposition, when we're sitting in a listing appointment, we'll, especially if we're sitting in Clear Lake, we'll tell them, hey, Google top Clear, Lake real estate, top Clear Lake real estate team. All three of our websites come up. No one else's comes up. Now, we pay to do that, okay, clearly. But the consumer has to say, well, shit. Okay, they see Redfin. They see all these national sites. And the only local site... That's everybody, because you know who else I'm talking about. There's nobody else that shows up. Next time you agents that I know you're in Clear Lake, Pasadena, and you're on Google, Google top Clear Lake real estate team. My point I'm making, no, I don't mean, Kimberly, what I'm trying to say is, is when we're sitting in a listing appointment, the consumer has to say, to your point about value proposition, oh, shit, because I got a creative marketing manager right there. She does nothing but social media. That is all she does. And so when I'm asking for 6%, I'm justifying it by showing them things like we have a client concierge, she's sitting there. We have a transaction, all the stuff you're saying. And then he's right. If, if we got to go maybe power wash something or do some things, we'll make sure that that's handled. But that's all part of the value proposition. All right, your turn, Christy. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, geez. 
So I always try to get in front of them. I do not want to talk about commission on the phone. So in my listing presentation, um, I want to go through the listing presentation before we ever talk about commission. And I let them know 1% goes to the government. 1% goes to all of these people I just showed you are going to be working for you to sell your home. My full-time marketing person, all of the listing coordinator that's calling on feedback nonstop. I'm going through everybody on the team that's working for them and explain to them 1% is the government, 1% is the admin and everybody helping get your home sold, and 1% goes between the agent and myself. There's really nobody that can work for free, especially the government, and I have to market and advertise your home. The people that are going to reduce, they're not going to have somebody, a transaction coordinator. There's 17 dates, 20 dates in a contract that we have to keep up with. Agents that are willing to cut their commission and work by themselves, they're not marketing your home full time, catching every lead that comes in because they're out with buyers, they're sitting with the listings. So all the leads that come in are going to their voicemail. And we have somebody, all these agents, that are capturing the calls when they come in. You get what you pay for. So for you to save $3,000 on a commission, you're, you're going to lose far more than what you're going to save when you're looking for somebody that's going to reduce what they're willing to take because they don't have the support to get you the maximum that they can get you for your home. When you are sitting down with, I don't like to say any names, but iBuyer programs, those agents wake up, they're there because typically they wake up, they have appointments on their calendar and they get a base salary and they get a bonus when they sell the home. Do you think that they care about getting you the most or getting you to closing to get their bonus? They already got their base salary, now they just need their bonus. This is the biggest thing that you've ever invested in. So we makes zero sense to worry about $3,000 because with all of the systems and processes we have in place, you're going to by far make more than what you're gonna save. That was that was beautiful and, and well said. You know, in this in this industry, it is one of the things that you guys have to guard against. And uh, obviously we are here at some high, high level producers and some of you out there, you, you guys may not be there yet. You may not have a team. You may not have those people to gel delegate to. You may not have those, you know, value, the same value profits that they, that they do. But there's one thing that remains the same. Whether you've been in the business for a long time or you were just starting out in the business, you better know your value proposition. Cost is only an issue whenever there is no value there, right? So know your value propositions. One of the things that, that I tell you know my sellers, kind of like what they said, is that if they're so willing to cut their commission and the deal hadn't even started yet, whenever your money is on the line, how do you think they're going to handle your money, right? So just something to consider, no matter how long you've been in the business, how new you are, know your value proposition. Um, we have a quick run through. Um, we are running out of time before we go into our Q&A, but we have some really great questions left. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to really touch on is because we are with these high-level producers is in y'all's business, you guys, everybody starts somewhere, right? What was that pivotal moment, said it right, that catalyst moment 
that brought your business to the next level. I'm going to start with Christine. And I'm not going to give it to Bill. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay, so mine was I was with a franchise for 16 years. I went independent in 2015, and I would go to awards every year. I was working single mother. Well, they're grown, but back then, single mother working seven days a week, 18 hours a day. I never missed anything, but I was never present. And I would go to awards, and all these agents are getting higher awards than me. And I'm like, how? I mean, they must be in a different price point. I can't work any harder. I'm working nonstop. So I went into a breakout session and met my coach, Earl Workman. And when I went into, co I knew how to be an agent. I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't know how to build a business. I didn't know how to build something of value. Um, most agents are going to work until they fade away. I never had a vision of building my own company, uh, my own building, leasing out to this mortgage company, to this title company, to this roofing company. I never understood systems and processes, how to build the foundation. So what I say is I learned how to hire, train, trust, and delegate. And when you learn all of those things, you get life balance. You can build something that someday you can sell. Um, and you don't just have to fade away, but you can say this company is built, made this much for this many years. Um, so hiring a coach and 10 years later, I'm still in coaching. I am a coach for Workman Success, but I still have a coach every two weeks for 10 years and I will never stop coaching. Um, it's, he's always pushing me to what's next, what's next, if, if that's what I want. So mine was definitely hiring a coach and, and never deciding that I know it all. I don't need coaching anymore. Christy, where do they go if they want to look into Workman? If they want to look into Workman's Success Coaching, is that, is that it? Yep. Um, I coach with Workman's Success, and I'll tell you real quick why I chose them. It's not cookie cutter, one size fits all, wake up, do this activity, you'll get this result. You have your coach that wants to know your business plan, your goals, and they're, they tailor exactly what you want. Nice pun. It, do what? What did you say? It's a nice pun. Next one. No, nice pun. Oh, oh. Sorry, major uh, distraction. No, uh, so anyway, Workman Success Systems is who I used and absolutely can't say enough about them. I don't really have a profound moment other than when I got laid off from Enron. <laughs> uh, I went back to my old job and I did real estate on the side, which you can't really do real estate on the side. This was in 2002. So I did real estate on the side for a year, and I realized I was working downtown. Um, I couldn't serve my existing job and my clients. So really just kind of kept pit moving along, was at a REMAX, did well. But there's nothing profound for me other than I'm a businessman at heart. You know, my background is business. My degree is in finance, so that's how my brain thinks. So I'm always looking to improve, perfect, pivot, you know, you got to be looking down the road. We were just talking, Bill and I were talking earlier, like what we did 20 years ago is not the same as what we did to what we do today. In fact, what we did five years ago is not the same as what we do today. So I think for me, it's just really paying attention to other agents, other successful people, researching, be a reader, pay attention to these things. Don't just show houses, open doors, write contracts and go to bed and watch rinse and repeat. Sharpen your tools, learn the game and keep on going. 
The thing is, there, there are eight people from my team sitting here. I don't want to train them. I want to grow them, okay? Training is easy. I want to grow them. They won't be with me forever, but I want them to look back at the experience, and I'm tough, but I want them to look back at the experience and say, you know what? I learned a lot there. I've had four people leave my office and go open brokerages. You know what? Yeah, exactly, Bill. Yeah, I guess so. Come on. Come on, dude. No, I, I <laughs> – I, okay. No, I, I don't have a pivotal moment. I guess I, I was very blessed. I, I entered real estate at the right place, the right time, and, and worked had hard at it and uh, uh, successful enough. I had the opportunity to buy my own firm. I, I've only worked for the one firm. I worked for Karen Duran Associates. I was loyal. I made more money than I'd ever imagined. So I, I could have left, I, and I didn't, uh, which was just my decision. She wanted to sell. It only made sense to sell to me because I was the top producer and I was going to leave. I didn't want to work for anyone else. So, I mean, buying my own firm in 2008 and then my role, I made less money as the broker than I did as an agent. I mean, I want to be damn clear about that. There are months I pay in to be the broker, remember? And so my, my role changed. I used to be a cocky young realtor. Now I'm a very old realtor. Um, but I have to represent that table over there and make sure that they're proud of me. I have 60 agents and 22 employees, and so my role is different. And when, when we advertise, I'm branding to you guys. I'm branding to the title companies. I'm making sure that you understand Boulevard Realty agents are well-trained and disciplined and ethical and honest and have core competency, and, and my role changed uh, as the broker. And so I, I keep that in mind. That's why I'm kinder and gentler than I used to be. Awesome, awesome. Say that. People in the back. <laughs> well, we're getting to the point where we are going to pass the mic to you guys. Taylor's going to come around if you have any questions, if there was anything that sparked your interest, if there's anything that you want to know or to hear from them, get your questions ready. Right now, we're going to do a little bit of a rapid fire. So, ra rapid fire, okay? I have that one finishing question to give you, to you guys because we know real estate is not easy, it is hard, it is not for the faint of heart. If any of you guys at home or any of you guys here got your license because that's what you thought, you were lied to. So, question, rapid fire. If you have advice to give to those new agents right now that either you wish you had known back then or you just want them to know because there's too many agents in this market. There were over 165,000 agents that joined our market just in the pandemic from 2020 to 21. The statistics said that less than 10% of them would make it. Your advice to them. Um, get mentored, get with a team, get with somebody that's going to put you in very, very high level training, development, work with you, not just say, this is your mentor, go figure it out, and you just have to check with them minimally. You have somebody that you are shadowing, learning, all the ins and outs, day in and day out, and that's uh, that's quick. I'll just I'll, I'll leave it. be an expert in anything. Find one thing. Find your neighborhood. Find historic district. Find new construction. Find senior living. Find uh, international buyers. Whatever. With one thing that you're really an expert that will build your confidence, that will then grow your business, then become an expert in more things. But if you're not the expert in your one thing. 
Look, no one sold more houses in a historic district than anyone alive today. I'm a historic district specialist, damn it. People call me from all over the city to understand historic districts, which represents only less than one half of 1% of the entire city by geography. But at least I'm an expert on something, and I can start there and grow from something else. So find something that you're an expert in. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've actually gotten to the point in interviews, I almost talk people out of becoming a realtor because I want to see... Actually, Chelsea, who's sitting right there, she came to me last year. She was on another team, and she was just kept bugging me and bugging me. She kept calling me. I'm like, man, this girl's persistent. But what I would say is what they're saying is become an expert, but you have to sharpen your knives, right? You cannot just think you're just a leaf's going to fall out of the sky today. You're going to sit in your house and eat bonbons and watch Peg and Al Bundy on TV. You can't do that. This is a job that you wake up unemployed every single day. And your ability to keep your pipeline full, you can't put that all on me. You can't put it all on Christy. Yes, you can't put it all on Bill. There, sorry, Bill. Um, there are systems that, that, like Christy has great systems in her office. We have some systems. They have really great systems. I'm not sure. I mean, I've, this is my first time meeting Bill, um, and it's been been a, been a thrill, Bill. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, no, I mean that seriously. I, actually, I like this guy. But... Um, I digress. I don't even know what I was saying, but uh, go ahead. Okay, I'm just taking it away. This, uh, this is, uh, I guess, something I always like to point out when agents are getting in the business. To learn how to cut and color someone's hair, you have to go to school 40 hours a week for a year. To get a real estate license to help people with the biggest transaction of their life, You can get that in three weeks with no apprenticeship, no required training, no one to sign off on you. You can go into commercial. You can go into residential. You can go into property management, and you can get that in three weeks. That's a problem, y'all, that there's no checks and balances. There's zero requirements to show that you're competent, and we all know that state board does not make you a competent agent. But to put some color and trim someone's hair, you have to go 40 hours. That's a problem at our state level, okay, and probably most every state. But that should tell you right there, you are not capable of doing real estate because you passed that state board. You don't need to worry if, if hopefully you don't need to worry about money for a year. You just need to treat it like I say, a doctor has to do their internship and they make pennies. You need to go learn your trade before you worry much about money. And being an expert at contracts, I'd be damned. I get the ugliest contracts in the world. So make sure you're in a brokerage where they really care about that. And by the way, don't ask me for my buyer's rep because I'm not sending you my buyer's rep. If you have that in your listing packet, my buyer's rep, I'm getting off to the side here. My buyer's rep is between me and my client. (laughs) So someone told you in your brokerage that you had to get that from me, didn't they? So make sure you align yourself with a brokerage and a broker who knows what they're doing and what they're talking about. Because I got a call from someone who used to be in your office yesterday who called me and asked me a question, and they had been told two wrong answers. So to answer your first question, new agents, align yourself with a broker who knows what the hell they're talking about, not who just flashes things in front of you. Absolutely. You know, uh, you guys, this is, it is a profession. 
I mean, it, it is way too easy to get into this business. And some of the things that, you know, we've, we've heard from these agents getting into the business, and some of you probably as well, is, well, it, it's easy money, right? It is not easy money. Any of you guys that have been in the business for a little while know that. You know it's blood, sweat, tears, a lot that go along with it. Um, another thing that I'll say is that it is extremely important who you trust in business to give you those fundamentals because you can't just go out there and throw them to the wolves. I mean, people are trusting you with the somewhat largest transaction of their life. And if you think you can do this as a hobby, I have one question for you. If you're ready to invest a half a million, quarter of a million, a million dollars, are you going to trust somebody to invest financially in somebody who treats it like a hobby? Probably not. So make sure you're getting into it for the right reason. Make sure you align yourself with the right people. Ready to do some Q&A? Move on to the yeah, next question? Yeah, I'm always ready. It's my favorite part. All right. Hey, are you guys learning some stuff? Can you all give them a hand? I'm going to kind of float around the room and... Um, you know, feel free to ask another question or contribute whatever you want as I'm kind of, you know, doing this. But um, I'm going to walk to you. So who who has a question? I'm going to start picking on some people, too, Don't be shy. Blair, Blair Paul, you're, you're, you're on my list. Rick, I'm going to keep going on. Blank, said until you get a deal. You don't try and be all things, though. I mean, same thing. I don't know shit about Pearland. I'm not going to go to Pearland. If someone wants to buy in Pearland, I'm going to refer them to Christy and get a referral fee. I think too many agents try and be all things. I don't let my agents do things that they're not core competent. And don't feel bad just because you don't know everything. It's a big city, and so you shouldn't be expected to know everything. And just understand that your limits, and those limits pay off for you in the long run. If you try and get too distracted and do Woodlands one day and Sugarland the next and try and do a high-rise the next, probably when you're new, that's probably not in your best interest. Don't try and be all things to all people, but hunker down on what it is that you're the best at. And I think to summarize that, you want to be a master of one and not a, not a jack of all trades, right? Master of one. Taylor, you got a question for us? All right. Hey, Doug Lugia here, CMG Financial. Uh, I come to all these master classes. You guys are fantastic. We have a page of notes here. Quick question. What's a book that you've read recently that actually changed your business? So a book business book, motivational book, something that's actually made an impact in your business? Hey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's the last one that I just finished reading, and it's a phenomenal, a phenomenal book. Um, profit First. I'm reading Good to Great or whatever, and I think that's a really good one for people to do. But I, I don't read a lot of business books at this point in my life, but I do say, I mean, I read the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the local paper where I am every day of the year, uh, no, no matter what city. I even read their local paper to, to study their real estate. And I think staying abreast on current events like that, you don't have to read the paper. I, I like the actual paper paper. But, I mean, I do think you have to keep up with interest rates and what the Fed's doing and what's going on with energy and no gas allowed in new construction in California and how you replace windows in historic districts, those sort of things will pay off. So stay abreast of what's going on in our world, and I, I think it'll help you a lot also. I don't have a sorry, but I wanted to clear up something. I didn't, meant I didn't mean this person I was talking about earlier because they came from her office. I meant she knew the person. That's all. <laughs> 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 
That sounded wrong when I said it earlier. So my bad, Chris. Okay, what else? Do we have another question? That was a really good one. Y'all jump in. Uh, this might be properly foolish, but I'm just really interested in your perspective and, and, and it's kind of open. Um, where do you see the Houston market, or greater Houston market, I guess, in one year and five years? Like, what's going to happen? In your opinion, obviously, you don't Supply cannot keep up with demand in 2022. There's just no way. Get hunker down. We're in this for a while. There is no quick fix to the inventory you just there's no way to add enough inventory when the amount of people just moving into the region is so great so i mean i think you need to it's going to last longer than these other periods have before whatever but look there will be balance again <laughs> oil will be back down to 40 dollars a barrel not too long from the, and i mean it, it so be prepared for the evolution and then I think some of these people that overpaid are going to be crying because they overpaid a, a whole hell of a lot. And you're going to get to resell a house where people are going to come to the table with some money again. And that, look, my Enron clients paid 107, financed 107%, all had jet skis and a motor home and all those sort of things. And the minute they didn't have those options anymore, they were crying. And their parents were bailing them out of those houses. So just be prepared for an evolution. But no short-term fix. I think we're in this for, for a good year or so. Maybe balance out by the fall of 2023. So, and then you'll see more of a balance then. My opinion only. One of the things that I'd like to like say, and that is a really good one. I mean, people do have to hunker down, and they do have you know hone in on their skills and, and crafts if you're talking to to agents i think the message to the um to the consumer is that we are very blessed to live where we are in this economy um nationwide people are struggling far worse than are i mean we are in, in in houston in houston the greater houston area we have so many different companies bringing in all kinds of different revenue and people are always going to have to buy and sell because there's so many different life events so is the fate of real estate just all going downhill absolutely not people are going to need to buy they're going to need to sell we have a very strong economy whenever you're looking at you know the the historical views of our you know of our values and our real estate market it's very very strong whenever the market crashed a long time ago like i say a long time ago sorry guys like i'm, I'm newer on, on the newest one on this table like whenever i got into the industry though one of the things that i delved into as far as the information was how did we react? How did our market bounce back as in regards to the rest of the nation? And we did the best whenever there was all kinds of foreclosures. We had the least amount of shadow inventory than anybody in the nation. And we bounced back quicker than anybody in the nation. So whenever we're having those conversations with the consumers who want to buy, who want to sell, we need to remember that we need to stay positive, that we need to point out the good things, that we don't need to scare them out of the market. We just need to educate them on what to expect. Because like they all said before, expectations matter. All that being said, make sure that you are the realtor they're calling when the market does go down, right? They're going to call you when the market go down, goes down regardless. Call you regardless, right? So position yourself to be the agent or the group of agents that the consumers know. All these other agents jumping in and out of the market because they think it's easy money, you know what? They'll be gone. 
right? So make sure in a year and a half, two years, you're the one that they call, period. So I always just tell people I don't have the crystal ball. Back in the recession, what I thought would happen, and by saying now we appraisal management companies, our values will be more managed, and you know a lot of our predictions were wrong after the recession. So I just tell them all, and, and I think that we have a problem um, on our closeout, our closeout process with MLS. I just feel like. I understand a house is worth what someone's willing to pay, but I think it, it's very difficult when we have skewed sales prices because we don't know in MLS if they paid 70000 over appraised value. I just feel like we should have had a sales price and a paid pr or a, a, a list price and an appraised price, right? Because when we're trying to pull comps, when we're doing these things, it's it's hard. Okay, here's one that sold for seventy thousand more than this one, and they're identical. So I just think that there's some issues going forward that I I reserve to predict what's going to happen in the future. Just know that you know whatever you're paying over appraised value, it's a gamble. Are you going into a negative equity position day one? Mm, you are right now, but we just don't know. We don't know if if that's going to continue balance, but we know today you are. Okay, but still the best investment that you can make, right? They're not making any more of it. <laughs> All right, Taylor, where are you at? You got another question for us? Right back here. Uh, Rick Stegall, Blink Lending. Um, so with the recent rise in interest rates, have you guys seen an impact, particularly on the listing side, and are you hearing about interest rates from your buyers? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think it causes people to react, uh, and especially the buying side, sure. And, it's, and the more expensive, you start financing a million, million and a half, a, a point makes a lot of difference. For, I mean, it makes a difference to everyone. But I, I still think in the marketplace, when I look at the, the grand market, the amount of cash that's in the market, the people buying are not the people, who, they're, they're not winning the houses. <laughs> they're not winning the bidding war. The bidding war was the people who are not subject to financing, not subject to appraisal, putting so much money down that the guy trying to finance with five or 10% down is just out of luck. Uh, it, this spring particularly, it, it definitely is causing people to react quicker. And, and I have sellers who are totally convinced this is the high. Let's cash the dam out of here and we'll rent for a year and we'll buy again when, it, when, the, when the crash comes. And so I think there people are all over the board. Some people are afraid that we're at the top. Most of us feel like it'll continue to, to trend up. There are a few people who are probably overpaying, but the average, this, this is a paradigm shift. The cost, <laughs> the, the $1.35 million house that I'm selling today cost $1.5 to rebuild, guys. I mean, you're not going to rebuild it back for $1.35. The land continues to go up. The granite went up. The labor went up. The can of paint went up. And so we did, and 20% of our buyers, really for the region and especially for the inside the loop, they did come from a market outside of Houston, and they think $400 a foot is damn cheap, okay? We think it's damn expensive. They think it's damn cheap. So it's all kind of relative on where you're coming from. And speaking to that, I'm going to say something, and I'm going to bounce it right back to you. So hold on to that mic. I know you have a comfortable grip on it. Um, 
you know, just getting back into, into stats and facts. There was something that was posted the other day that, again, had the historical, you know, markers of the interest rates, how low they were, how high they were a long time ago. You guys have been in this business a lot longer than, than I was. When I got into the business, I mean, we were looking at sixes. Now you see a six and a buyer's like, oh, my God, like, what are you doing to me, right? Because they're so used to these historical lows. And people have been, you know, been saying, like, oh, you're just saying it's a historical low. You're just trying to push me, push me, push me off of the fence, not realizing that, no, hey, these are historical lows. Let's look back at whenever interest rates were, you know, 7, 10, 12, 20, 20%. So as we're talking to these buyers who, which the sad part is, is some of these buyers who actually really shouldn't be buying, they're barely qualified. The interest rate jumps up by a half a point. Guess what? They're not qualified anymore. They were qualified whenever you did the pre-approval. They were qualified, but before they could lock their weight, it jumped up. It changed things. So these are things that we have to Make sure that we're paying attention to and we know how to navigate and set the right expectations. But whenever you're talking to the clients that are scared, that are talking about, oh, my God, they're, they're raising rates, what are you telling to them whenever you're looking at a historical path of where we are? Yeah, I mean, they were my first house. Even in the Heights in 98, I paid 7.5%. It was an owner finance. Look, I had no money. That's what you did. You bought an owner finance if you were a realtor. I remember paying that off. My old sellers cried because they were happy to have 7.5%, and I could refinance, you know, when it went down to 5% or something. But I, I do think we're at historic lows. I think the – look, guys – my consumer looks 12 to me. I mean, they are so young <laughs> and they are buying so expensive houses, they have an unrealistic expectation. And it's kind of like, you know, a $700,000 two-two bungalow in the Heights. You can go buy that bungalow for $350,000 in the near north side. You can go buy one for two seventy-five dollars in the east end. You're going to have to look. These buyers are not going to be able to buy million-dollar houses for their first home. They're gonna, my children can't afford to do that. They need to look not to the heights, to the next heights or the up-and-coming heights or to someplace just a little bit different. So I think what rising interest rates will do will temper people not to buy beyond their means. <laughs> We're America. We, we make X, so we think we should buy the most expensive house on earth and grow into it. And some people are going to have to have more realistic expectations. And there again... You don't need a great room and the pool and the four-car garage. Maybe you can live for a with a little bit less. Uh, and, I, and I think that's what we're going to see is people buying in a different area than they have to go to this school or they have to be in this neighborhood for some little prestige thing. They're going to go to a different neighborhood. Yeah, I, think I mean, and all of these, you know, um, you know, newer buyers that are coming into our market, they're just not familiar with where rates were. Where it's where it comes back on you guys to educate them on rates, how they were historically, how it's not so horrible. Buy now before go even higher. Like, you know, it's all dictated by, by the feds and the market. It's unpredictable. So it, it really comes down to the need. Remind them of their why. Why are they buying this house? Why did they fall in love with this house? Make sure you have a good lender who's making sure that they're qualified, who makes sure that they understand about the rates and how they're fluctuating and the importance of locking. You have another question for us? And, and they'll be more creative with the financing. Look, when rates were high, my Balin house, it was a 10-year interest-only note. That's how I was able to afford it. I waited till rates modified five years later and then refinanced. So you're, you're going to find 40-year mortgages. You're going to find... 7-1 arms, you're going to find more creativity in the marketplace, I think, if for people to buy those same houses. Absolutely. We have a question in the back. Hi there. I'm Jamisha Goodall. 
local estate group. And I have to ask you all today, because y'all are very tenured broker owners, team leaders, what do you consider the, the critical or the most crucial support staff position? So all of you have stated y'all have teams, y'all have marketing, advertising, have these support staff. As a newer broker owner, what would you consider those critical support roles uh, that you that would make that really help you elevate your business to the next level? So I say 100%. The day that you become an agent, you should have an assistant, your main admin. But I also know how important it is to hire the right person with the opposite skill set as you. Me and my main right hand are complete opposites on our disc, right? So she is super, super attention to detail, graphs, charts, tracking, and I am 100% the agent personality. But just like I would tell people when they get into coaching, every coaching call, you need your strong admin on every coaching call with you. So I say if you are doing $17 an hour work, $20 an hour work, you're not doing $400 an hour work. So you from day one should be focused on the very, very, uh, very strong admin. Well, I agree with Christy. When you first start, you really want to get an assistant sooner than later. But as you grow, I mean, you know, staff is here, marketing folks, client concierge, those are things that I don't have any interest in doing. Can I do them? Sure. It's not a good use of my time. So you got to figure out how you're leveraging yourself. And sometimes it can take a long time, right? We didn't get to this point overnight. So we, you know, I started as a one, I literally opened an office without any staff on El Dorado Boulevard. And I had like three agents, four agents. And then I hired an admin. And then it was just, we went from there. So depending on what our needs were, we, we stepped it up after that. Yeah. I agree 100% with all of them. You know, so same thing. If you're an agent, hire an assistant for every 5 or $10 million you do in volume. And don't be afraid to hire an assistant. For the broker deal, I mean, look, I believe in staff. I have 22 staff people for my 60 agents. That's a lot of staff. But you know what we do? Offer a hell of a lot of support so that I didn't lose any agents over the last two years. Don't be afraid to hire and hire people who are better than you, smarter than you, and do things that you don't do because you don't need to do the same thing they're doing. Uh, but but don't be afraid to hire. I think you'll be able to attract more agents and keep more agents if you have more staff. They're able to do the things that make their lives easy that let them go sell houses <laughs> and some people love marketing and some people love blogging and some people love accounting and some people love Nick, you know, whatever those things are. And so you can find those people that are out there, hire them, keep them, retain them, reward them, recognize them, but, but don't be afraid to hire. I think that being short staffed is a sinking ship over there. So when my coach had me continue to hire the next person and I was scared to death, I'm like, I can't afford another thirty-five dollars or $40,000 a year salary. Like, that scares me. And he would say, okay, can you afford $12,000, $15,000? Yes. Then we're going to hire them for 90 days. We're not saying we're hiring them for a year. We're going to hire them for 90 days. And during that 90 days, we make sure that their job description, the details are so that 
you can continue to make sure you don't spend those hours on anything except for income producing activities. So then when you start making sure job descriptions are right and what people are working on is the correct things, then it's not a matter of can we keep them past the 90 days. It's that your business just doubled because now you're not doing the things that you hate doing. Like Jimmy said, you don't want to do anyway. I mean, I hate all, you know, marketing and details. So as long as you are making sure that job description is detailed and those hours are truly spent, what it is, then your business grows anyway. And in the very beginning, when people say, I can't afford an assistant, hi, pay them by transaction. If they don't, if you don't close, they don't get paid. And then once the transactions are stable and you feel more comfortable, then you put them on a salary with a bonus based on XYZ. Thank you for bringing up that question. That was actually one of the questions that we didn't that we didn't get to regarding teams. Whether it's a you know a, an agent you know starting to grow a team, a team that's growing to the next level, or a brokerage, which is simply essentially another another team. You know, we do not you know we do not live to work. We work to live a life of abundance, and you simply cannot do that without delegating, or else you will work from eyes open to eyes closed. And I think for, for me, I was that person whenever I first came in. I was doing everything. And it took, you know, one of my lovely friends to get in front of me and say, hey, wake up. Open your eyes. You can't do everything. You've got to learn what you're good at. You have to leverage yourself. You have to delegate. And you have to learn how to say no to some things without fear of loss because your most important things are your family and your kids and yourself. And this is why we, we work and you can't lose sight of that. So you have to hire and you have to delegate. Like Christy was saying, if you know that you're worth $400 an hour, you should not be doing $20 an hour work. Nothing against the people who are doing $20 hour work. You just have to know your value. You have to know where your time is best invested. So be you know diligent about who you hire for what position. Know first of all what you do what is dollar income produ producing, what can be delegated, and delegate it to the right person by knowing their skill set, what they're strong at, and, you know, what they're going to remove from you so you can focus on those things that are most important to you. And if you are in that broker position, it's your agent. So you better make sure you have on your staff somebody who's making sure that their life is operating at their highest and best use, that they are not stressing over anything, that they have the support that they need, that they are feeling the value that they need, because brokerages are a dime a dozen these days, and you have brokerages pushing, like, oh, you don't even need a broker. You can just start your own. But like they were saying, like, some of us actually pay to be a broker. It is not a get-rich program. Um, we, you know, work very, very hard, but... We are nothing without our clients, and our clients are our agents, so you have to hire for them. Be the orchestra conductor if you're leading people. I know how to play the instruments in the orchestra, but I'm the orchestra conductor. So remember that. I'm not going to get hung up playing the harp and all these other things. I'm the orchestra conductor. I learned, I can type a contract in five minutes, right? But like you said, I'm not going to spend my time doing that stuff, so. I was just going to say real quick, those people that are doing the $20 an hour work, they need you doing what you do because that gives them a job and it gives them what they're excellent at. So all of you need to be doing what you're great at. You're providing them a job when you're doing their job, then they don't have a job.
Carla, the lady in green. Good morning, Sharmel Gums Heiliger. So you answered a lot of my question. Um, my question was, at what point did you realize or know that you needed to start a team? A team? So um, we definitely started it and it was the hardest thing I ever did was give up a buyer, my first buyer. And oh my gosh, I was on a coaching call and my coach told Samantha, reach over, take the phone away. He had already had me get two phones. He said, your new phone, nobody will have the phone number too, just your family and friends. He said, reach over and take the phone from her. And I said, can I get it back after hours? Like, you know, I did not want my buyer's agent, my first buyer's agent to walk out the door with the phone because nobody could do it as good as I could. Nobody could answer the questions like I can. So it was a process. But when, and when I was worried about giving up 50% of commission on a buyer, I'm like, what? I need that buyer. I need that. And you know, just understanding that you there's only so much time in the day. So as long as you're working those three buyers, then you can't be doing anything else. So understanding that when you learn to delegate, you grow. So there was two buyer's agents, then three buyer's agents. They're all closing three deals. So it, it just starts dominoing. It makes sense. And then it took a few years later to give up my first listing. And then that was a process. So I'm out of production completely now, but that takes time and process. And I feel like when you train them right, when you go out in the field, you train them side by side, you develop them. When I say hire, train, trust, and delegate, until you train, you don't trust. And once you have them beside you, you make them explain a contract to you, a listing agreement to you. You go out and have them show you 10 houses when you train them, then you trust them, and then delegation isn't that hard because you know that they know what they're doing. Uh, I was getting coaching probably six, seven years ago. Sorry. Okay, we'll do this. And my coach asked me, she said, I had a brokerage, and I had agents that got to be another team. And she said, well, you can keep doing this, and brokerages are a diamond dozen. It's different now. You know, you've got the the brokerages, you just pay a flat fee and this, that, and the other. And to Bill's point, you're not going to get rich doing this, okay? But there is more profitability in our case from the team side of it. And so she asked me, what do you want to do? And I am a control freak. You know I'm a control freak. Um, but I also have great people around me, so now I don't have to worry as much anymore. So um, she just asked me, there's no defining moment. And I just sat down and said, you know what? I need to do this. And we started with one person, then two and then three, and now we have 13. And we could probably go bigger, you know. Uh, Christy's really good at that. They bring on people. I'm one of those, like, do I want to bring on four people at the same time? But uh, it works if you're trying to scale sometimes, as long as you're training them and teaching them. So, I don't have much to add. Teams work for some, and others are just, you know, top producers with assistants. So I think you have to just find what fits best for you and for, for your career path and how that's going. I never found the team thing was for me, but I have five assistants and I managed to do just fine without a team and doing all that sort of thing. So I think just find what is best for you. All right, one of the things that I would um, add to that is, you know, something that they, they, they touched on is because some people think like, oh, well, I wanna make money. I ha to make more money, I need a team, I need more people. It's more production, right? 
but sometimes people miss the level that they need to get to and they go from phase one to phase three and they miss phase two. Well, phase two is mastery. You have to be really good at what you are doing because if you train somebody and you're not good at it, you're training somebody with your bad habits. And now you have two people with bad habits that are out there trying to make things work, right? So you have to have systems. You have to know how to train. And you have to train them properly. But whenever you're at that point, you know, one of the things that Christy said is right away you should have an assistant, right? Well, that is scary to hire somebody be responsible for somebody else's, you know, putting bread and, you know, food on the table. But here's the, here's the thing, is that whenever you are busy and you're really good because you've put in the, the, the efforts on the front end, you've made those relationships, you've cultivated those relationships, and you have, you know, all of these buyers and these listings, and it gets to the point where, again, quality of life that is why we work, right? We don't live to work. So it will get to that point where you'll need to spend time with your family, with your friends, not miss those baseball games and, you know, the recitals and all of those things. And you're going to have two buyers that get off at 5 o'clock on either side of town. And you can't physically be at two places in one time. And whenever you get to that point, it's too far because you have not mastered your craft to train somebody else to be able to say, hey, you go take this person, I'll take this person, or you have them say, manage their time and say, I'm not available at this time, but I'm available at this time, this time, and you have somebody that's knocking both of those out so you can pay attention to what's most important in your life and still be handing off your business but making money, right? One of the things that I thought was, you know, uh, just you know, a, an eye-opener for, for me is most real estate agents think that we're entrepreneurs, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a broker, so I was told, like, you know, like, I'm an entrepreneur, yay. You know, uh, my, my good friend, Al Weisner, he was like, oh, no, no, you're not an entrepreneur. You're self-employed, right? You're not an entrepreneur until you can effectively step outside of your business while, let's say a month, two months, six months, a year, come back and your business is functioning at a as high or higher level than when you left because that's where you find talent, you train them, you hire them. Do you think that that CEO and the founder of Walmart was there checking out groceries? He wasn't. That's an entrepreneur. You know, you have to be able to, you know, find the need, hire the talent, delegate so you can live the life that this real estate opportunity affords all of us to. All right, we're gonna we got a hard stop at eleven thirty. This is gonna be our last question. Hey you guys, so they say this year is the survival of the fittest and possibly the death of the individual agent and twenty percent of and real estate agents are probably going to be eliminated by the end of this year. So what would be something that you would say to someone getting into the business? Top three things they need to focus on to actually be relevant in the next 12 to 24 months. Just a stat, 47% of the members of HAR did no business in the last 12 months. 
85% of all business was done by 15% of the agents. So realistic expectation, you're not going to join, get your license, join HAR, join a team, and get rich real quick. There's a lot of competition out there. She mentioned, I mean, there are 1.3 million realtors today in the National Association of Realtors and 500,000 people in real estate school right this second. So expect some more competition. <laughs> it's not just the ones that are already here now. So, I mean, it's a competitive industry. Set yourself apart. Find your niche. Find your yeah. sphere. Find, you know, find your value proposition. You can make it. We all started with no experience. <laughs> and I was scared to death and didn't know a soul in the city 25 years ago. But, look, it's a great career. There are great opportunities. There are ups and downs and be able to weather a storm and figure out your glass. Become an assistant. Look, you know what a lot of us need? Assistance social media managers, you know, fi find a way to get into the industry. Maybe not you're going to be a top producer the first year, but if you can just get into the industry, you'll make friends and acquaintances and relationships, and you'll be able to grow from there. So set a realistic expectation. Um, so I would definitely say, again, get your mentorship. But what Jimmy said a minute ago, I've said for years in this business, agents understand they wake up every day unemployed and to treat it like a business. We have so much flexibility that if you don't take, I mean, we have our, our team and our new agents use what's called My Perfect Week and sit down and write down what you're going to do all day, every day, and at least put in 40 hours. Even when you have not one client, that's what you should be doing all day. Like we say, at least prospect one hour a day. That's non-negotiable time. But I like to say to people that are new or brand new, if you were in the corporate world unemployed, are you going to look for a job one hour a day? No, you're going to look for a job eight hours a day. And like I just recently told one of my agents, before you came here, you drove into Houston. You had an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening. So you were away from your family 50 hours a week. Are you putting 50 hours a week into real estate that you're in here managing your time, looking and spending it on income producing potential? So a new agent, I would say you have to surround yourself, work on development, training, but treat it like a business, spend your 40 or 50 hours a week, because once they get clients, it's going to be 70 or 80 hours a week. So 40 is a treat. So they may as well go ahead and spend 40 hours a week working on income producing activities, but they need leadership to show them what those are. All right. Give it up for these guys. If you can queue up that basketball video in just a second, that'd be fantastic. And uh, Nicole, will you come on down for real quick, please? Give give uh, Fidelity National Title a little bit of love. And uh, Christy, I have a question for you. What uh, what, what are the names of your two sons? Tyler and Peyton. Single mom raising Tyler and Peyton. I'm single dad raising a Peyton and Taylor. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty much, you know, we're pretty much related. Well, but mine are grown now, and I have two grandbabies. I know, I'm jealous. <laughs> I know. Well, it's okay. I'm, I'm not far behind you. All right. Give it up for Fidelity and Nicole and Cheyenne. Thank you. Tough act to follow. Incredible content. We're huge supporters of Houston Real Producers. Um, yeah, absolutely incredible. And we also recently, within the last year, opened a new office in Clear Lake. Um, before I dive into that, we do handle um, title work throughout the entire state of Texas. So, um, sky's the limit, and we're actually going nationwide, so if you, any of you start to practice outside of the state, please reach out to us. So Cheyenne Moore here 
is um, handling our Clear Lake office, so she'll be in touch with the two of you over here. Yeah, exactly. You can't hide. Um, do you want to add anything? No. Okay. I just want to say great questions. You guys did phenomenal. Um, I recently, in the last couple years, did get into the business myself because I wanted to be Camila. That was that was it for me. So seeing her today, I was nodding my head like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. Um, but now being in title, I mean, I just see that worth and I'm here to partner with you guys. That's a huge thing we do with Fidelity. And so all you new agents, please reach out to us. We are here for connections and growth within your businesses. Thank you very much. Can you hit play, please, on that one-minute video? Mic check, mic check, in the back, in the back. Do you mind hitting play on that video, the basketball video? All right, and um, I don't want to talk over. I got one more thing to say, but wanted to be here, couldn't be here, sponsored the event. I was like, okay, no problem. Hi, I'm Adelina Haskin, and I'm your local home warranty expert for Armadillo. I wish I could be there with you today, but I will make it up to you. Do you know that in over 50 years, the home warranty industry has not had a makeover until now. Armadillo is different from any other traditional home warranty company. So I have a challenge for you. Please do what Taylor says. Go ahead and take your phones out, turn your cameras on, and get ready to scan this QR code. Why? Scanning the QR code is scheduling 15 minutes of virtual meeting with me, and I will show you the Armadillo difference. Two, by scanning the code and scheduling, you actually get to enter a raffle for the newest AirPods and the newest Apple TV, winner gets to choose. So it is worth it. I want you to know that working with Armadillo is a hassle-free experience. Schedule your 15 minutes today. Y'all have an amazing masterclass ahead of you. Enjoy, and I can't wait to see you soon. She played in the women's NBA, it's pretty cool. So anyway, feel free, scan away. Yeah, all right, so uh, last thing, grab your phone. Whitney's in the room, by the way. Wave Whitney. She's the one that hosted us at Brennan's. Lots of compliments from uh, this group, by the way. They're, you know, loving, loving, loving being here this morning. So we're, let, let's tell her thank you. Okay, I know we haven't had lunch yet, but you can give. Go to Yelp, please. Pull your phone out. Pull your phone out. I'm serious. Pull your phone out. I, wanna, I just want to leave her a five-star review. It takes two seconds. It's like just, you know, send in a quick text message. Hi, hello, miss you, love you. Just go to go to go to Brennan's downtown, 3300 Smith Street, Yelp or Google, and just click five star. It could be from your dining experience if you've been here before. It could be because you're grateful and you learned something today and you enjoy being in the banquet room. Like I said, yeah, you, you haven't. You don't have to have eaten the food to give a five star review, and uh, that would be uh, very appreciated. Appreciated. I enjoyed being here. Hopefully, you will have us back. That is the goal. All right. So thank you for helping. And by the way, Selfless Plug, Disruption Nation, or Taylor Waithoff for YouTube channel if you want to subscribe to our stuff. we got like 740 videos. We, we love uh, to, you know, you, to have more access to what we have. All right. And last but not least, I have gifts for you guys. So Deanne was on the panel last time. I was going to give it to her, and she just stepped out. She told me she had a 12 o'clock appointment. Big surprise, surprise. You know, that's what multi-million dollar realtors do. They have to go sell homes. But coming in the mail for each of you, this is a $250 two-piece set of Cutco um, engraved with your company logo and your information. It's right here, and I'm going to give you that on, 
Oh, perfect. Okay. I, I knew it was in good hands. They're, those are brokers. So, all right. Um, it's all about relationships, guys. You know, thank you all for being here. I hope you, you know, make a relationship afterwards. I am always looking for good one-on-one interviews. I think everybody up here has been on my uh, podcast, Disruption Nation. It's kind of like this. It's 30, 45 minutes. You know, Aaron's been on it. A lot of people in the room. If you want to nominate yourself or somebody else in the real estate market, love to have them on, on the show. Also, as far as the magazine goes, it's free for agents. We don't charge. It's funded by all the sponsors that raise their hand in the room. So, you know, if you want to do business with them to, uh, to say thank you. But, we, you know, we're always looking for good agents to feature. Uh, just reach out. We're e- I'm easy to get a hold of, easy to find. And uh, the masterclasshouston.com website is already live for next month. It's May 11th. Hope to see you back. Whitney, May 11th. Okay. We're going to talk about that later. <laughs> all right. And uh, other than that, guys, remember, it's, it's community. Every, I feel like everybody deserves to be a part of a community where you can, you know, elevate each other's business, work with each other. So at lunch, thank you for those of you that are staying. If you, if you can't stay, totally understand. But, uh, but, yeah, who can you serve? Who can you help? Let's figure out a way to, uh, to you know, make some money together and have a, have a good, uh, good community. And I'll see you guys in a month. Thank you for coming. Give it up for these guys one more time. <laughs>